Oh, man. Maybe that music will cheer up Rip <laughs> City, man. It feels good to be back. Welcome to KGW's 3-on-3 Blazers. Jared Cowley on my right, Nate Hansen on my left, Max Barr on the ones and twos. My name is Orlando Sanchez. We're here to talk about the Portland Trail Blazers and the struggle. Guys, we are here to wallow in despair with all of you very sad Blazers fans. This will hopefully be a very therapeutic, you know, 40-ish <laughs> minutes here because I think all of us <laughs> here in Rip City and Portland uh, kind of need it at this point. I don't, no one foresaw, I mean, we could have foreseen mm-hmm. a slow start, but 4-8 and eight is different than a slow start. Amen. These are, are dark days right now, so yeah. we're going to do our best to make this a, a safe space for you to come to. <laughs> To, to vent, and you guys have killed it already. Uh, not only are we going to answer our questions that we have that you can w- check out on KGW.com, but we've got your questions as well, and we got a few of them this week. Last week, it was such a hit that we brought it back. So. Yeah, and we got, and once again, you guys came through with some good questions too. Like last week, there's some like really good, thought-provoking ones. There's some funny ones in there, and there's obviously, for good reason, some very upset fan questions because the Blazers are they're not playing well right now, to say the least. And it was great because we all had different answers. Yes. You know, not everything was the same, whereas no. when, when we get to talking, sometimes we all end up coming to the same conclusion. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun to hear what other people had to say and kind of change the way that we think as well. And it's really the first time we hear or even talk about those questions together. Like, you know, a lot of times for the podcast, the questions coming up with them will be up to me and Jared. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we're kind of talking about things and also some things come into mind about things all three of us have talked Mm -hmm. about over the last week. And so that, yeah, that listener Q&A is really the first time we're talking about those things. I also like questions from listeners because I think they sometimes ask the questions that, we are too afraid to <laughs> yeah. put out there into the universe right now yep. because as media, we try to be objective and not too down, not too, not too high on the team, but with fans, it's all about passion. And so you get a lot of that in these questions and I, I enjoy that. So keep them coming and we're going to answer a lot of them today, but you guys know the drill, three questions, three answers. And of course we've got rip it coming up later in the show, Woo! the best part of the show. All you have to do is survive us yeah. for the next 20 minutes or so <laughs> to get to the good stuff with the one and only Max Barr. If they've survived 12 Blazers games so far, I think they can survive 30 <laughs> more minutes of us. Ouch. Woo. Okay. There's first On one. that note, question number one, is this team as bad as it looks or are they still a good team just treading water until reinforcements arrive? Man, so this question I wrote in my uh, answer on KGW.com that this is probably the question I've waffled on the most of any of the questions we've done in the history of this podcast because my brain and eyes tell me what, what the players we're seeing out there on the floor right now, this is a bad team. But I've also thought that before, and then the Blazers under the leadership of Damian Lillard and Terry Stotts have made me look like fools. And you know what? But I'm jumping ship again. I'm willing to be made a fool again. You know how I roll on this thing. I I am jumping ship again. Yes, this is a bad team. With injuries, there's a lack of talent out there on the floor. They play up and down to competition. We saw them play the Warriors. That was a game they should have gone in and won. They lost. The Kings the other night without De'Aaron Fox, a game they should have gone in on the road given, but they should have gone in and won that game. You can make the argument they may have played their best game against the Clippers when they played them, but again, playing up the competition, they would have beat most teams that mm-hmm. night, but they're playing the team who may win the 
the NBA championship this year. They can't hold on to leads. Anytime we see them get a 10, 12-point lead, this seems like the starting lineup does it every night, and then it's gone by the middle of the second quarter. They And they struggle to close games in the fourth quarter. All of these things are things bad teams do. And I'm going to focus a little bit on the fourth quarter because the Blazers games, you can make the argument they're 4-8, and eight, but they've been in all these games. They're all close, coming down to the wire. They're just not putting the finishing touches on it. Okay, let's take a look at that. In the fourth quarter, the Blazers' defensive rating is 122.8. That is by far the worst in the NBA. The next closest to them is the Phoenix Suns, and they're at 117.9. So there's a huge gap between Portland and Phoenix just in terms of how they're playing defensively at the end of the game. And there's also this clutch stat that's available on NBA.com. And basically... It takes into consideration what you did when it's a five-point game or less in the final five minutes of the game. The Blazers have been in the most of any team this year of those type of games. They've been in nine so far. They're three and six in those games, and their opponent field goal percentage is 55%. That ties right in with that terrible defensive rating. And to me, good teams find ways to win close games. That's what the Blazers did the last couple of years when they were a good team. This year... They're finding ways to lose these games, mainly by not playing any defense at the end of games, and bad teams find ways to lose games. So right now, I'm going to say they're a bad team. And honestly, I don't see where a huge mark of improvement is going to come with the current roster and players they have available to them. So yes, they're a bad team. Man, I love what Nate just brought. Analytics on Man. fire. I, how can you argue with anything that you just said? Yeah, It's just logic. Right now, there are four teams in the NBA that have a worse record than the Portland Trailblazers. The Wizards, the Pelicans, the Knicks, and the Warriors. Are the Blazers the fifth worst team in the NBA? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think they're that bad. If you look at point differential and net rating, which is a better barometer of a team's talent, they rank 18th in both, and I think that's about right. This is not a good team. This is not even an average team. This is a, a well-below-average team right now. That's the way they're playing. That's the way the players that they have on their roster that are earning minutes, they're not good enough to be better than that. And so I don't think this is a good team, and I don't, I don't think they're a bad team, but I, I don't think they're a good team. And like you said, Nate, I, I really don't see a lot of room for improvement with this current roster. Yeah. You've got a few players who could start playing better, C.J. McCollum, Hassan Whiteside maybe, Kent Bazemore, but they have really glaring holes. They have no power forward on this roster. No one who can take up those 48 minutes per game at a pivotal position in the modern NBA. And as long as that's the case, I don't see how they can get better. And I don't know how long this front office can wait to go make a move to improve that position. I was looking at this. We know that December 15th, is when players who signed in the offseason are then eligible to be traded. So a lot of the talk is, if the Blazers are going to make a move, it probably won't be until then. But if the Blazers wait until December 15th, and they continue to play at the pace they're playing right now, their record would be 9-17 and 17 at that point. <sighs> if they waited until mid-January, and granted, this is them playing at the same pace they're playing right now. Yeah. 14-28. and 28. Ouch. By the trade deadline, 17-33. and 33. At that point... They're not making a trade to improve the roster. Not for this year's team. No. If anything, they're sellers at the deadline. So I don't know how much longer this front office can wait 
to make the moves that this team needs. They need an infusion of talent. They just don't have enough talent right now to reach the goals that they set for themselves before the season started. Losing to the Warriors and Kings was inexcusable. Yes. I can understand the Clippers game. I can even understand last night last night's game. The Raptors, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's a good team even without key players. And um they were right there. Um losing close games is definitely a sign of a team that doesn't know how to do things. Yes. A team that is missing its identity. That's where this team is. It is lost. Yes. It doesn't know what it is. And that's a problem. On the flip side, I'm not ready to call this a bad team. Okay. I know that the record speaks for itself, 4-8. and eight, It's not good. Yeah. But to your point, Nate, like we've all sat in here and talked about, yeah. oh, this is it. This is the year when, when they're going to tank. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Terry Stott's job could be on the line. <laughs> yeah. Like we've, we've run down these hypotheticals. Yeah. And halfway through the season – the, the, the switch gets flipped, and we're, it's a totally different narrative yeah. with the Portland Trail Blazers. So I'm not ready to go there, but there's no getting around. Like, they deserve to be called a bad team because right of the way that they've played. Yes. Up to this point, losing six of your last seven. Damian Lillard scores 60 points in a yeah. game, and that's not enough to win? <laughs> Are you kidding me I with that? I was going to say, you brought up the Warriors – loss and the Kings loss is inexcusable but to me the Nets loss also was given Mm -hmm. the circumstances they were on a three game losing streak going into that game coming home they knew they had to have that Mm -hmm. game at home against a subpar Brooklyn team your best player takes over for the night says I'm going to lead us to victory from the get go Damian Lillard was on his game drop 60 and then Everyone else is a no-show. Like he's playing, That's another inexcusable right, loss. Right, he's playing at an MVP level. Yeah. I mean, you can throw out the Toronto game. Yeah. But besides that, I mean, he's been the real deal. Mm-hmm. And you're 4-8 and eight to show for it. And so I understand where you're coming from, Jared, when you, when you say that. Because it gives you that doubt that, uh-oh, when Dame is playing this well, this could yeah. be as good as it gets for this team. The one thing that concerned me, the biggest thing, was watching the fourth quarter of the Raptors. Yes. To your point, Nate, mm-hmm. and Terry Stotts, that was the one thing I took away from his post-game press conference was how disappointed he was in the way that they finished. Yeah, And it wasn't just they're missing shots, they went cold, Toronto goes on a 14-0 run. It's the fact that they were getting beat to loose balls. They were getting out-rebounded. Like, that comes down to desire and want and toughness. Yeah. And they didn't have that. For a team that's 4-8... and eight, you wouldn't expect that. You want to see desperation in a team yeah. that is clawing and scratching to get one win. And to, you didn't get that. To your point about energy, uh, I mean, Terry Stotts is 100% looking to light a fire under these guys. Mm-hmm. He put Nasir Little mm-hmm. in the starting lineup yesterday, mainly probably because he knew Nasir Little was going to go out there, give right. him some energy, and play hard. He didn't know anything else what right. Nasir Little was going to contribute. And he did. But and he, he played did, hard. Nasir Little did exactly that and was a spark for the Blazers last night. But that's to the point where Terry Stotts is already entering the 12th game of the year. He's starting a rookie mm. who hasn't really played many significant minutes just because he knows that guy is going to go out there and play hard for me. And that's a bad yes. place to when, be. When, when he got Blazers. drafted, what was the conversation with Nasir Little? Oh, you know Here's what? It's going to be great. He's going to sit on the bench. Yep. It'll be like a, a similar situation to Anthony Simons. And here he is starting a game. In Game, Game number 12. 12. Game number 12. Ooh. And some of it is out of necessity right. because of the injuries, but some of it is also to your point that this team, at least outwardly on the floor, mm-hmm. doesn't seem to have that same drive, that same motivation we've seen in years past. And maybe 
It is because it's a bunch of brand new guys mm -hmm. who are thrust together and they needed time to build camaraderie, to build relationships out there on the floor. And then they had injuries that just screwed everything mm -hmm. up for them. And they're still trying to find each other while also not having the talent they thought right. they were going to have at the beginning of the year. But they're just in a really, really bad yeah. spot right yeah. now. And this schedule is jacked up in terms yeah. of having to deal with those things yeah. and still be on the road for the majority of it. This I early think the effort is a, a big issue right now. Yes. I think part of it is because of some of these new players they brought in. I don't want to pile on Hassan Whiteside, but I saw this stat the other day where Yusuf Nurkic last season averaged about nine box outs per game. Yeah. And Hassan Whiteside, who's seven foot one, huge guy in the middle, is averaging under three box outs <laughs> per game this season. That's inexcusable. Yeah. And it's those little things that I think just build up over the course of a game that lead to you losing these close games. And I think that's one reason why Stotts has had such a hard time finding a rotation that works at the end of games. I mean, last night was inexcusable. The bench came in and brought the Blazers back yeah. in the beginning of the fourth quarter, tied the game. Toronto calls a timeout. This, you know, the closing lineup comes in and just plays terrible <laughs> basketball. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't see a way that this team – even if CJ gets a little bit better, even if Bazemore starts hitting some shots, I don't think Whiteside's going to be anything other than what he is. Yeah. So I don't really see, even with those things happening, I don't see this team getting a lot better. Yeah. They, they just have too many holes on this roster right now. And to your point about box outs and effort, I mean, rebounding the Blazers are one of the worst teams yep. in the NBA. That comes down to exactly what you said. And teams are scoring a ton of second-chance points off the Blazers because of the fact that they aren't doing these little things and teams are scoring points off turnovers off the Blazers at a high rate because mm -hmm. of the fact that, and the Blazers don't have a ton of turnovers. So in some aspects that does point to why is there such a disparity between you're not one of the top turnover teams, but you're still giving up a ton of points off turnovers. Why is that? So there's something there to connect that link that is just off for the Blazers. Before we move to the next question, because the next question is a bit of a downer too. <laughs> the one encouragement I will give for Blazers fans even though I ripped them for how they're finishing these games, is that they are close and they are in a lot of these mm -hmm. games. And maybe it doesn't necessarily rely on Kent Bazemore needs to make more shots. C.J. McCollum needs to make more shots. Maybe they find other ways. One of the things we loved about Al Farouk Amino, despite his limitations, was Dame talked about it. it seemed like he was always doing little things mm -hmm. you know, to help them win. And when you're in all these close games the Blazers have been in so far, those little things, it doesn't even have to be the fourth quarter. It's right. throughout the game. Those little things add up and can be the difference between you winning by two or you losing by four. And so perhaps the Blazers can focus on some of those things and tighten it up, and maybe that's how we see them start getting some momentum and wins. But uh, I'm at, while I try to bring that optimism, I'm with you, Jared. I have a hard time seeing where that's going to come right now. I'm not there yet, guys. Yeah, you know, I never, I uh, never thought going into this podcast yeah. you would be the holdout. <laughs> yeah. I thought for sure it would be Jared, but it's you, my friend. Way to Don't go! Don't let me down, Blazers. Gosh. Go. Okay, question number two: Who's been the most disappointing player for the Blazers so far this season? For me, it's CJ McCollum, yep. and I think it's because prior to the start of the season, I think he was my my pick for the player who is going to have a breakout season or exceed expectations. Yeah. Yeah. After last season's playoffs and how well he played in the playoffs, I thought he was going to have his best season. I thought that, I mean, I talked about him maybe contending for an all-star spot. Yep. And he's nowhere near there. 
Right now, his counting stats are okay. He's 20 points, four rebounds, three assists. That's about on par with what he's done over his career. But he's killing the Blazers with efficiency, 41% from the field, 31% from three. Mm-hmm. That's not getting it done for mm-hmm. someone who that's his main strength. Yeah. Listen, CJ's not a good defender. He never has been. He probably never will be. But his offense has always been good enough that it makes up for that, that, that defense. But when his offense is, is this bad and this inefficient and he's just as bad as he's always been on defense, then he's hurting the Blazers when he's out on the court. That said, I'm not worried about C.J. McCollum. Yeah. He has a track record. I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to break out of this slump, and it will probably be soon. But up to this point in the season, so far, for me, it's 100% been C.J. McCollum. Okay, so what you mentioned at the end there is why I didn't go with C.J. McCollum. Because to me, this was between three players. For me, it was between C.J. McCollum, Hassan Whiteside, and Kent Bazemore. And the reason I didn't pick C.J. was because, as you said, I think he's going to find himself. We've seen C.J. get off the slow starts before, and at the end of the year, his numbers are right where we expect them to be. Hassan Whiteside now. I considered him, but... Unlike some people, I didn't have the highest expectations for Hassan Whiteside. So kind of what you're getting right now is kind of what I expected. A guy who at times is impactful, at times is a non-factor. And so I can't really say him because my expectations weren't all that high to begin Mm. with. He was just supposed Mm. to fill that role before Yusuf Nurkic came back. Now Kent Bazemore. Jared, you said CJ was the player you thought would exceed expectations on the Blazers this year. I remember on that same question, my answer was Kent Bazemore, that I thought he was going to exceed expectations. I thought he'd be a true 3 and D that the Blazers have so wanted for so many years. And he's had moments of making impactful plays defensively, and he hit those shots against Atlanta, which has easily been the bright spot offensively for him this year. But overall, I've been pretty disappointed with what we've gotten from Kent Bazemore this year. His defense he has foul issues he's only playing 24 minutes per game and he's averaging nearly four fouls per game in those 24 minutes his defensive rating this is supposed to be a guy who's going to be like the lockdown defender coming off the bench for the Blazers his defensive rating is 108.6 that's on par with Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons offensively he's shooting 36 percent from the field that is that's terrible that's awful. His offensive rating only Scalabissiere and Anthony Tolliver among guys who have played regularly they're the only two who have a worse offensive rating than Kent Bazemore. Orlando was with me on this at the beginning of the year. He thought Kent Bazemore, like I did, would be so good that he might replace Rodney Hood oh, in the I was, starting lineup at some point oh, yeah, this year. I was high on Bazemore. And Kent Bazemore may end up finding himself in the starting lineup just out of necessity at this point. But in terms of his performance, he's nowhere close to earning a spot in the starting rotation. So I've been, I've been pretty disappointed with what we've seen from him this year. Really quick, I'll push back on Bayes' defense a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, defensive rating, it does. It, it is it's so dependent team. on the players yeah. that you have playing with you. And most of the time, he's probably with the has bench bad players. defenders on the court yeah. with him. I mean, if you look at most individual advanced analytics, he's been the Blazers' best defender this season. But on offense, he's been really streaky and most of the time just bad. So, And I do think he's fouling way too much. He's being way too aggressive on defense, maybe just trying too hard. But I do think his defense is at least met my expectations. Okay. I definitely went back and forth with this one between those two. Really? Okay. <laughs> because I was so high on Bazemore, yeah. um, I wanted to go there. But uh, to Jared's point, to watching the game, and you see Bazemore out there, like, he's defending. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the, the shots have to fall for him. 
Yeah. They they really do because they need a true three and D guy. Yeah. That was something that we discussed. That was a theme through most of what the last two years that we did this podcast. Yeah. Was finding a guy like that. And uh, we thought they had found it with Bazemore. Yeah. Yeah. And I was. Uh, and I. I'm still a, a Bazemore fan, so to speak. Yeah. But um, he hasn't delivered up to the expectations I thought in maybe pushing for that starting position. Yeah. But for me, the ultimate decider between the two was I got to start at the top mm-hmm. yeah. and work my way down. Okay. And CJ McCollum is up there. Yes. Yeah. And Jared's point with uh, his numbers, I mean, they've been career lows yeah. in, in shooting. Yeah. The, the, the slump that he's been on uh, is rough to see. There has been a track record. We know this about C.J. Yeah. McCollum. Like, it happens with this dude, and he figures it out. So that's the silver lining in all this. But ha- not having your second-best player deliver is going to cost you games. Yeah. Yep. Like, he's that important to this team. And to your point, like, he's not this lockdown defender. So what, what does he do well? Get buckets. Make shots. And the three especially has just been so bad at 31% that you mentioned. This team struggles to shoot threes as it is, yep, yep. and they need that from him. We were we were on here discussing the Blazers need to take more threes. <laughs> yeah. They they took way more threes, and here we are. Yeah, imagine. I mean, I think that what we needed to see from CJ McCollum to start the season, much of what we've seen from Dame. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got injuries they're dealing with. They're integrating a bunch of new players. Mm-hmm. These are the Blazers' two stars, and you needed yeah. both stars to show up, and yeah. so far only one has, and. Listen, how many games do you think may have turned in the Blazers' direction if CJ was playing like CJ? Mm-hmm. If he was shooting 48% from the field, 38% from three, mm-hmm. I think some of these like close games might have turned out differently. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, it's not his fault. Right. But he's definitely a big part of the problem. He right has now. the ability to finish a game, to yeah. close a game, he to has, win the game. He has an ability to change the outcome of yes. a close game, which yes. is what the Blazers have found they themselves in so night bad. in and night right. out. Right. Yeah. And to Jared's point about the injuries, you know, C.J. McCollum last year, we with how well Yusuf Nurkic was playing, we would have considered him probably the third best player on the Blazers. Mm-hmm. But say you still wanted to consider C.J. the second best player and Nurkic mm-hmm. the third. Mm-hmm. Well, then you're missing your third best player in Yusuf Nurkic. You're missing arguably your fourth best player in Zach Collins. Yeah. And you have Hassan Whiteside who to replace your third best player and there's effort concerns there and then you would literally have no one mm-hmm. to replace that Collins because I I mean Anthony Tolliver I didn't consider because of the idea of let's start a little bit higher right, right yeah. on the totem pole but he was someone I thought about in this question too just because I mean you thought you'd at least get some three-point shooting and some reliability out of the vet and yeah. you're not getting any of that and I liked what you said Jared and I, I made sure to kind of mentioned something like that on KGW.com, which was with all of the roster changes, with so many new guys coming in, like CJ has to be a constant. He has to be an anchor and hold down all the chaos that's going on around while the rest of these guys figure out who they are, their identity within the team. Like he has to be consistent right now. This is the worst time to have a, a shooting slump. So to see him start to get buckets now, and you're, you're starting to see him work his way out of it, especially with the mid-range jumper, like that's coming back, and that gives you hope that the confidence will get there with the three-point shot as well. And the other thing that got me excited about that and makes me feel a little bit better was the fact that 
he had some nice defensive stops against Toronto late in that game. I mean, the dude took a charge. Yeah, yeah. And First I mean, one of the year. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he even joked about it as as being a guy that uh, you know doesn't doesn't get charges and stuff. So um, that was nice good. Block he had a he had a too, nice yeah. block as well. So those like little things are are glimmers of hope for this team that they're not dead yet. Like I said, I'm I'm not worried about CJ. He's mm-hmm. going to break out of this, I'm sure. But he has been. The most disappointing player for the team this you season. You guys, you, you ready to make some predictions, man? Yeah, man. All right, that's yeah. question number three. The Blazers start a six-game road trip on Saturday. Before we meet for our next podcast, they play three games. At San Antonio Saturday, at Houston on Monday, and at New Orleans on Tuesday. Which games did the Blazers win? Which games did the Blazers lose? So some season predictions record update <laughs> as we do this. Uh, I'm still in the lead. I'm at 8 and 4, not terrible considering the Blazers have been the complete opposite of what I would have expected eight so far this year. Good. 8 and 4 on these picks. Orlando Yerson is second at 7 and 5, just a game back. Okay. Uh Jared, you are you're you're where the Blazers want to be. You're at 500 right now at 6 and 6. You're and it's only two because, games back. It's all because I've been too optimistic about this team. Yeah. It helped you out last year and it's killing you so far That's this right. year. So let's get to this week, the three games. Um, San Antonio has also not been playing well. No, They've lost six of their last eight games, so they're kind of in the same spot the Blazers are, desperate for a win, desperate to get it going. And at this point, I don't trust Portland. I can't give them the benefit of a doubt against a team who I think is at their level or better. So I'm going with the Spurs. The Rockets are red hot right now. I don't see the Blazers' defense finding a way to stop them. They win that one. And the Pelicans game... This is a game the Blazers should win. And so I am going to pick them to beat the Pelicans and go 1-2 and two over these three games. But, to me, this is right there with the Warriors game yeah. and the Kings game the other night. And we saw how those ended up. I'm still going to say Portland wins that game. But I would not be surprised if we see them go 0-3 oh over the next three. Yeah, I, uh, I really strongly considered 0-3 oh uh, in these next three games. But I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> oh no, you did. You, did I you keep go? going optimistic? Oh this wow! Team. I don't know. The Spurs—they've lost three straight, five of six, you know, six of eight, and three of those, you know, in their three-game losing streak, two of those losses were not competitive at all. No. Um, this is going to be the second game of a road-to-home back-to-back for them, and they have a negative net rating at home. And the Spurs last year, the one thing you knew about them was they were going to be really good at home. It's like the Blazers. I don't know. Two struggling teams, two teams I don't have a lot of faith in right now, but I don't know why I keep doing this. I'm picking oh. the Blazers. Oh, Jared, <laughs> still riding, baby. I seriously don't know what's wrong with me. Oh, uh, I'm tw- not picking them to beat the Rockets. Okay. Five straight wins, four and one at home. The Rockets have been playing really well. So I've got them losing to the Rockets. And the Pelicans, this is the kind of game that if this team wants to not be a bad team, if this team wants to come out of this, these are the kind of games they have to win. The Pelicans are really bad. Two wins, one and four at home, not competitive in just about every single game. This is a game the Blazers should win, so I'm going to pick the Blazers. And if they they let me down again this week, then I may never pick them to win again. you got to go (laughs) 0 for the week after that. That's (laughs) That's got to be the promise right there. All right, Orlando, where did you side? Did you go all in on the negative here? Or were you like Jared? Did you get suckered into picking (laughs) them to win a few games here? Jared, what were you thinking, man? (laughs) Oh, man. Uh I don't know your face. I still can't tell which direction you went. 
I wonder what Jared is thinking because I 100% agree with him. <laughs> oh, no. Blazers are going 2-1 wow. this week. Remember wow. when I was putting together the article on KGW.com and I said, what are you doing, Orlando? <laughs> oh, really? That was what you were talking about? That's what I was responding to. Okay. Right after I had made the same picks. I, I talked myself into it the same way you did, Jared, by saying, you know what? The uh, Spurs are just as bad as the Blazers are right now. I mean, maybe they're a little bit better, yeah. but I mean, we're splitting hairs. They have not played well right now. Um, I think that the Blazers will have some urgency uh, to start this road trip, knowing that they desperately need a win. They're not beating Houston, and I like them to beat the Pelicans. So 2-1 and one this week, baby. But I'm with you. I'm putting my foot down after right. this week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is the last chance I gave you, Blazers. Yeah. <laughs> I told you I jumped ship 20 minutes ago, so I'm going to be waiting for you guys yeah. next week Save over here. Save us a seat, man. Yeah. you got a good keep spot. A, keep them warm over yep. here yep. for you guys. <laughs> All right. I think that's enough of our questions, don't you guys think? I want some listener questions. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's dive into the mailbag, guys. Thanks again to everyone who wrote us a question. We're, first, we're going to start with Pinwheel Empire. They want to know, despite all the, injury, the injuries, the Blazers have been betting favorites for eight out of the last 12 games on the season. What do you think is an acceptable win total for Portland at this point, now that you know sports bettors pegged the Blazers at 8-4? and four? Usually I don't disagree with Vegas. They usually know their stuff. Uh, that's interesting to me. I didn't know that they had, you know, seven of the last eight games, the Blazers were the betting favorites. And I went and looked, too, at uh, ESPN has a, a strength variable which shows you strength of schedule and it also shows you what, you know, according to how you're playing, what your record actually should be. And the Blazers record should be five and seven. So not a lot better than four and eight, but a little bit better. Um, I don't know. There's just too many variables right now. If nothing changes, I honestly think this Blazers team could win like between 36 and 40 games. Yeah. I think they have that many holes on the roster. But what if the Blazers make a trade? What if later in the season Nurkic comes back and is good? Yeah. What if Collins comes back and is good? Then you're looking at higher. I, right now, because I'm really pessimistic about this team, I think this team's ceiling is like 44 wins. Okay. And I think their floor could be 35, 34, 33 wins if everything goes wrong. Um, so I don't know. I'd, I'd probably put it a realistic expectation right now, I think, is probably 40, 41 wins. That first, the first number that popped into my head was 44. Yeah. Just without wow. really thinking about it, giving it any thought, because it's we're still so early into we the are. season. Yeah. We are. Like to Jared's point, there's just a lot that, that can happen right now. So I'm not willing to dip into the 30s quite yet. Yeah. The ceiling. So are we talking ceiling or how many wins we think they're gonna get? I think they asked for what's a an acceptable oh an acceptable win total for Portland at this point in the season. Uh. So are they asking? Of these 12 games, knowing the betters pegged us at 8-4, and four, what an acceptable win total in these 12 games would be? No, I think it's a season for long. The season, season long. Season yeah. long. Okay. Uh, I think 500 mm -hmm. is acceptable for this team. So I'll go mm -hmm. right around 40-41. Mm -hmm. So if they win 41 games, do you think Blazers fans should consider that an acceptable result at the end of the season? No, but that's – no, they shouldn't find that an acceptable result at all. Anything mm -hmm. short of the playoffs is unacceptable for yeah. this team regardless of the injuries. But I'm also a realist mm -hmm. and realize what they have available for them. So I think 41 
is an acceptable number to expect mm-hmm. for how they'll finish this yeah. year. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that number, um, but there will be a disclaimer on that number. Yeah. Like, there's no way around it. Even if it, it, whether or not it's acceptable or unacceptable, everyone's going to say, but yeah. yeah, we didn't have Zach Collins. We didn't have Yusuf Nurkic. You're going to have, you know, those excuses that will be built in. Yeah. So you're going to get a pass on this year regardless of how things end up. I agree. Marvin Iverson wants to know, what can the Blazers do from here? Lillard and CJ already play heavy minutes. Nurkic and Collins, they're out until February if you're being optimistic. Yeah. They just hope for development and that there becomes some cohesion with the guys playing right now. I mean, they do have some young players who are getting minutes. Anthony Simons, I think, as good as he's been, I think it's fair to think he'll continue to get better as he gets more minutes and more experience. Scalabissier, you know, when his minutes are limited to about 12 to 15, puts in good minutes for you. I'd expect maybe you could get some development out of him. Who knows? Maybe Nasir Little starting last night was the star where he's going to start seeing some minutes, and maybe you get some development from your young players that way. But what you really need is for your rotation guys, your Rodney Hoods, your Kent Bazemores, uh, whoever's going to be filling in at the four, Hassan Whiteside, you need those guys to kind of find a groove playing with each other and a rhythm because that's what you have to work with right now. I agree with you on all of that. I think you also need to look forward to the front office making a move. Yeah. I don't think there's any chance they don't. No. And I think it has. I I think it will be sooner than later. I don't think they're going to wait all the way until the deadline unless you know Nasir Little ends up being a lot better than we think or something. Yeah. I mean, they just have nobody to fill those minutes at power forward. So I think that they're. I think they'll make a move to get a power forward and maybe even bring in a little bit more NBA talent because they have players right now who are playing major roles. You know, even just in in reserve roles, who probably shouldn't be playing any minutes in the NBA right now. Love that answer, Jared. <laughs> All right, <laughs> love it. Let's get to Boyd Urban's question. This one's for you, Orlando. He asks: As media members, you get unique access to the team. Have you noticed any shift in overall mindset or attitude during this rough start behind the scenes? This one's for you, Orlando. This is a, a an interesting question. Um, there's no replacing guys like Evan Turner in the locker yeah. room. Like, there's just a certain energy about that. Um, so, just starting from there, like, there's a bunch of new dudes that are trying to figure out how they belong within this team. So you don't have that same cohesion that you had a year ago. So just based on that, things are going to be a little bit different. But the unique access that we get, when we get in there, um, (laughs) these have been losses. (laughs) So it's a different vibe than when this team is winning and putting together win streaks. And um, I will say I don't think that there's much there right now where I'm like, oh, you know what? This feels bad. Like, yeah. this feels toxic. It doesn't feel like that at all. Like, um, I do truly believe these guys get along, um, and they're really there to help each other and stuff, but they're just losing games. Yeah. So the vibe in the locker room is going to be different when we go in there uh, after these games. Especially because they're losing most of their games at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that's when you get them most of the time. Yeah, so I'm going to say there's, there hasn't been this – this factor within the locker room that makes you think this is why they're losing games. I don't think it has anything to do with that, but that's a a really good question. Our buddy Matthew wants to know, is it okay for me to be disappointed by the losses 
but not get depressed and continue my enjoyment of the Trailblazers no matter what the season results may be. 100%. That's a real yes. Blazers fan. Yeah. 100%, 100% yes. And I'm going to come at this from a Mariners fan perspective because, as you guys know, I love my Seattle Mariners. And most years, they are absolutely terrible. They're not very fun to watch. But I enjoy going through the season and the little glimpses of hope that they give me. No, there's, this year, you have a lot of, yes, keep enjoying watching basketball because there are fun elements of this year. Damian Lillard is having the best season of his career to his point. He's in the prime of his career. So, yes, enjoy it. You see young players maybe develop, like I talked about, Anthony Simons and those guys who will big be be big pieces down the road for Portland. So enjoy watching them grow and blossom as well. And hopefully at some point, because it makes it a lot more fun, the Blazers start winning a few more games here. 100%. I can't say it better. I just say there's no wrong way to enjoy a season as a fan. Yeah. Amen. Wow. Next question from Brandon Goldner. Why was the Blazers' best defender on Siakam benched during a critical stretch where Siakam went off? So who so who is Brandon talking about here? Bazemore or Nasir Little? Nasir Little. My thought is he was talking about Nasir Little that he was the Blazers' best defender against Siakam mm-hmm. last night. Yeah, which he was. He was. Yeah. So why was he on the bench? Is the question, and I would say it just comes down to trust at mm-hmm. the end of games. Nasir Little, this was really his first big game where he was getting huge chunks of minutes for Portland, and Terry Stotts is a guy who is going to roll with the players he trusts most at the end of games, and especially veterans over young, inexperienced players. And so that's why I would expect Nasir Little was not in the game at the end. Brandon's right, though. I mean, Little was very good against Siakam last night. I went and looked. If you go on NBA.com, you can find how a player performs against each individual defender. Against Little, Siakam, uh, Little guarded him for 19 possessions. And Siakam had eight points and was three for nine from the field. Against Lillard on five possessions, he had two points and was one for four from the field. Against everyone else, 26 points, 11 for 15 from the field and 28 possessions. So Siakam was very good against him defensively. I think it's a a valid question, and I started to think the same thing as well. If we're talking about trust and and whatnot, I think that there's a lot of truth to that with Terry Stotts and just knowing your guys. I mean, even down to Nasir Little starting a game, like – he had mentioned post-game, this was his first start since high school. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, what a yeah. trip, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, there's that. But I personally think no matter who was guarding Pascal Siakam, dude was going to take over. Like, he is that yeah. good that when crunch time comes, he's getting the ball and he's saying, get out of my way, I got work to do. He's and been amazing. So if, if Little was good. out there, I think he would have he still eaten. Yeah. And listen, they don't break it down by quarter or by half in those stats. But watching the game last night, Little was very good in, against Siakam in, in the first half, but Siakam was going off in the third quarter oh. before the fourth quarter started when Little was in there. He's a special player, so, man. So, like, I don't know if, like, having Little in there in the fourth quarter would have made a big it, difference it wasn't in gonna how matter. that game turned out. He was going to feast. Yep. Yeah. Good question here from Chris. Of the players that they got rid of from last season, who are the Blazers really missing right now? Uh, honestly, I don't know if they're even missing really anyone from last year's team. Uh, Does their count? That's what I was gonna <laughs> say. <laughs> like, like they didn't get rid. That's where I was getting yeah. to. Like, of the players, yeah, the, the they player they're missing the most right now is Yusuf Nurkic because mm-hmm. offensively he gives them so much, but defensively he was their anchor. Yeah, he man. was their best defensive player, yes. and they are 
missing that in a big way right now. Because you look at what other guys are doing on other teams. Evan Turner's hurt. Maurice Harkless still can't make threes. Myers Leonard, he's playing, but arguably he hasn't been playing that well for the Heat. So, you know, of the players that departed, I don't know if they're really missing much. Yeah. But Yusuf Nurkic, they are missing him mm-hmm. dearly this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think Nurkic applies here, though, because yeah. they didn't get rid of him. I know. But I think I think they could definitely use Alfaruq Aminu because okay. he's a power forward, and he was a good power forward when he was here, and the Blazers desperately need a power forward. That said, I don't think I wanted I would have wanted the Blazers to re-sign him for a three-year, $30 million <laughs> no contract way. in the offseason. So even though they could use him right now, I don't think that means that I wish they had re-signed him so he was here. Ty Jones wants to know, when will Neil accept reality and come to the realization that the roster that he has formed has completely backfired? Do you believe the Blazers should begin a massive rebuild? I believe they should acquire as many first-round picks over the next couple years and tank. Guys, we're into the uh, angry questions now yeah. from last night after Ooh. the game. Uh, so Ooh. we're all into tanking and getting first-round picks now, uh, even though Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum are in the prime of their careers. And Yusuf Nurkic, after what will probably be a slow start returning from his injury, is set to be very good next season as well. So no, the answer to the question is no. They should not start trading and tanking right now. And I'm sure Neil Olshay right now is doing everything he can to try and figure out a way to improve this team because they don't want to waste a year in Dame's prime. Breathe, everyone. Relax. It's going to be okay. Yes, we're going to be fine. All right, last question here. This one's from Tony. When are the higher-ups going to all agree and get rid of (laughs) Terry Stotts? (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. Tony. That's not not happening, guys. (laughs) Listen, Stotts took this team to the Western Conference Finals last season when they were missing Yusuf Nurkic. Yeah. That's a huge accomplishment. He outcoached Billy Don- Donovan in the first round. Granted, that's not that big a deal. But he also <laughs> outcoached Mike Malone in the second round, um, and that's a really big deal. Yeah. Malone's one of the best coaches in the NBA. I think Stotts is probably one of the 10 best coaches in the NBA right now, and you don't get rid of someone like that. Plus, he's beloved in Portland, and he's a good ambassador for the, for the franchise, for the team, and for the city. And Stotts is here to stay. And Damian Lillard loves him, Damian and this Lillard is loves Damian him. Lillard's franchise. Yep. All right, thanks again to everyone for the questions. Love it. Yeah. Those last ones, man. I know. You could tell exactly how they felt in the moment. They were just and so could, upset with how that fourth yeah. quarter went. I was going to say, you can tell when yeah. they sent that. I, <laughs> I, put those, I put the feeler out for questions last night right after the game, and I knew we were going to get a little bit of angst in there. I so love it. That's okay. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for participating. Keep them coming. Are you guys ready to rip it? Oh, Come yeah, on, ready. Now, man. Let's go. good to be back. It's good to liven it up with Woo! another week of Rip It. There we go. <laughs> Last week, Nate took home the title. Oof. I did. I did. <laughs> that was probably the darkest day of the or- season. Orlando <laughs> said he was sick about it, <laughs> and these are really the dark days of Rip City. <laughs> Jared <laughs> said he changed his mind, and it was officially time to panic. Oh. <laughs> and, and Jared was so traumatized yes. that on today's show doc, 
He put that Orlando won last week. Yeah, we have this. <laughs> I was trying to get you a free win, man. Yes, for for yes. the people for the people listening. Appreciate Jared you, Jared. always prints out basically a rundown of what we're going to try to accomplish on the podcast. <laughs> and in the Rip It record, it says last week Orlando won. Yes, he handed it to me as I, I was this. sitting here, and I was just like, it was the first thing I saw, and I was so upset. The thing is, I won because I won last week. I stood up, I clapped, I did everything. I don't know how Jared forgot that. It was a big <laughs> moment. But I definitely blocked that moment. Yeah, I want, we both did, man. Yep. I want to feel so good about this week that I'm going to shove it in your face, but I don't feel good <laughs> about my picks from last week. Jared, clearly traumatized. Yep. Still. Yep. So will the dark days continue? Let's find out how you did last week. We're going back to that Clippers loss. The question here, over under 28.5 points for Kawhi Leonard. is coming off load management. All three of you said over. Oh. He got hot in the fourth quarter, but it wasn't enough. Oh, oh no. Under. He scored 27. Oh, <laughs> he was one and a half on Man. Nobody gets so that close. one. Blazers versus Nets. Question here was more points, Dame or Kyrie. Jared, you said give me Lillard at home. Oh, darn it. Nate, you said Kyrie. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Orlando, you just said I'm going against Nate. <laughs> oh, no. No. Never fails. Never so, fails. So Jared and Orlando are on the board there. Dane <laughs> dropped 60, of course. Irving had 33. No yeah. slouch there. Yeah. Blazers versus Hawks. The question, which team will attempt more three-pointers in the game? Orlando, you guessed the Hawks. Nate and Jared went with the Blazers. Oh, I don't feel good about this at all. And this was Atlanta. Yeah. They uh, attempted 41 shots, made 11. The Blazers attempted 36. Mm. How did I ever think a team with Trey Young would shoot less three-pointers <laughs> than the Blazers? How did I ever think that? Blazers at Kings. The question, <laughs> who will make the most three-pointers? Rodney Hood, Bogdan Bogdanovich, or Anthony Simons? Oh, no. <laughs> well, we got this all wrong, Ooh, I'm sure. We Jared, this. I know exactly where I went on this question. <laughs> yeah, Nate, you started screaming. They're playing the Kings. This is easy. <laughs> Give me Simons. <laughs> Jared also went with Simons. Orlando, you went with Rodney Hood, who did not play oh, in this game. So he we all missed Back it. spasms. The answer was Bogdanovich. Yeah. He lit it up, didn't he? he yeah. Was good. He, he made three of eight game. from three. Huge game from him. Simons was one for five. Blazers Ouch. versus Raptors. So I think Orlando's ahead right now. Orlando has two. I have one. I think I'm sitting on zero right now. Blazers versus Raptors. Most points. Fred Van Vliet, Serge Ibaka, or Whiteside. Nate and Orlando went with Whiteside. Oh, no. Jared went with Van Vliet, who dropped 30. Yes, he did. Ibaka didn't play because he sprained his ankle. Whiteside only with 12. So that means... Jared and Orlando tied. Oh, who is still leading, my friends? Nate is still leading despite a 0 for 5 yeah. rip it last week. <laughs> That's what we're talking about right there. That's how you defend your title. Stay in the front. <laughs> oh, man. Put up that donut. All right. A new week begins now. I Let's... told you I didn't feel good about those picks. <laughs> oh, oh, was... I got to get back on track. Be serious again. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Blazers at Spurs. Who will score the most points? DeMar DeRozan, CJ McCollum, or LaMarcus Aldridge? DeRozan. Ditto. Aldridge. All right. went with Spurs. No CJ. Yeah. No, no one believes in CJ at this point. He's going to have to prove it, I guess. Yeah. Blazers at Rockets. Which team will shoot a better field goal percentage in the game? Start us off, Nate. Uh, the Rockets. They're going to win big. Orlando? Rockets at home. Give me the Rockets. Okay. Same game. Over under. 
36 and a half points oh. for James Harden. Oh, over. Under. I'm glad he said under because I was going to if he also said over just to break the tie, but I really believe it's going to be over. So I'm with Jared, over. All right, Blazers <laughs> at Pelicans. Who will finish with the most assists in this game? Damian Lillard, Drew Holiday, or Lonzo Ball? Oh, yeah. I'll go with Lonzo. All right, Orlando, what do you think? Um, I'll take Dame. Yeah, I got burned not taking Dame when he dropped 60 yeah. last week. He made so you pay on that one. He man. did. Uh, he nearly doubled Kyrie. So I'm going to go with Dame on the assist. Someone somewhere is going to make a shot for Portland. <laughs> All right. We can only hope. <laughs> and now the return of the wild card question. Yes. Anthony Simons is averaging nearly oh, two three-pointers per game. Over under, six total three-pointers made in the next three games. For Anthony Simons. Over I mean, under six. Is, is this a real question here? <laughs> it is like, very real. Okay, well, what are this, you going with? Uh, oh, duh, over. Okay. He's going to make way more than six. <laughs> are you calling for six in one game? I, yeah, the Rockets, yeah. Uh, he might uh, drop six in that game. They'll still okay. lose by 20, but uh, yeah. All right. Since I think the Blazers are winning two games this week. Yeah, you bet. I'm taking the over. <laughs> all right, Jared. I think I'm going to go over because he's been a lot better in like the last seven games than he yeah. was the first few games. Oh, wow. See, that, that a, cl- a clean sweep for our boy Anthony there. I can't vote against Anthony, even though yeah, he let no. me down last time. Well, as you guys know, I bought his jersey last week. I'm still waiting for that to come on in. <laughs> I can't but, wait, uh, man. Yeah. I'm going to be repping it on a podcast here in the very near future, my yep. boy. Yep. I can't wait to see that. All right. Where can listeners find you guys on Twitter? Find me at Jared Cowley. At Orlando KGW. At Enhance underscore KGW. And I am at Max and Bar Jared how can people subscribe and review and rate us? Absolutely. Please subscribe to 3 on 3 Blazers on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please take a moment and rate the podcast. If you want to write a review and tell us what you think, we'd love to hear from you as well. And if you have friends or family who love the Blazers, spread the word. Tell them about 3 on 3 Blazers. I mean, at this point... We're doing better than the Blazers, I feel. So give us a five-star, guys. Go out there and do it. Appreciate y'all. We'll be back better than ever next week. See ya.